This is the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue for the best liquor, beer, and wine deals in the River Valley. Arkansas wins a national championship! Check out Eastside Liquor on Facebook for weekly specials. Say goodbye! Darren McFadden, 80 yards, touchdown! All right, having a little trouble getting a hold of Aaron Torres, so he might call us or we might get him back. We'll see. I was going to ask him about this. He was at the Rose Bowl uh, for uh, the semifinal game. Have you seen, Matt, people uh, trying to make a case for the Rose Bowl to be the annual site of the national championship they, game? Are they the same people that were trying to make the case Florida State should have been in the Final Four? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I mean, it, it sounds good, the idea to have one place, to have the national championship game. But I think if you're going to do that, you probably have to have it in a place that's just more modern. You know, and I, I hate to, I hate to, you know, I'm not ripping the granddaddy of them all, but I was at the Rose Bowl last year. I mean, it's, it's an old-fashioned bowl, and it looks, it looks good on television. I get that. I understand that. It looks great on television. And the pomp and the circumstance and the tradition behind it. Kind of like it and Augusta for, for golf, you know, kind of throwback. Yeah, but they've been doing, you know, the, I mean, the, yeah, it is it is throwback. And I've never been to Augusta, so I shouldn't say like I I've been to I'm the Rose Bowl, but it was 2005. And, you know, the, it was kind of like with, with what you were saying. It wasn't for a game. It was for a rookie symposium. So it was, it was other things going on. So I've seen the stadium. I bet much hasn't changed to that stadium since 2005. It still is old. It still feels old. But that's one of the things that's cool about it. That doesn't mean that it should be hosting the national championship game annually. Um, you got to you think know, one of them goes to Jerry World, right? Like it's going to be a rotation, right? Wouldn't you think Jerry would want a, a bid on that? That's, look, you that's as modern of, as you get. You have this set of new stadiums, new huge football stadiums all across the country that are being built specifically to hold this event and the Super Bowl. I mean, think about that. Indianapolis. Indianapolis has hosted the national championship. They'll host a Super Bowl because they have this big grand indoor stadium. That's why Nashville is building an indoor stadium to do the exact same thing. Um, you know, Houston. I mean, it's a great it's a great big stadium. It's in a major city, too. I get it. You know, I mean, why did if the Rose Bowl was so great, then why was there a new stadium built to house the two NFL teams? And the Rose Bowl is great. It is great, but it is what it is. It's an old college stadium that is great for the game that is played there. It doesn't have to be the national championship site just because it sounds good and looks good on television. Um, I think Clay made a good point the other day. They were talking about this in the morning rush, and this was one thing I wanted to ask Aaron about because, remember, he met me at the Rose Bowl last year when I hosted the show in the press box. He lives close by uh, then there's only one road in and one road out. It's and to think about that in a place like Pasadena in greater Los Angeles where traffic already is a nightmare. Can you imagine how long it's going to take you to get out of that stadium for a national championship game? I mean it would take it would take until it would take until next New Year's to get out of there. As long as they play on a grass field, as long as it's not the artificial well, field turf, then I'm I'll, I'll sign up for it. Well, they, they do there, and I guess that's one of the things that would be different when you're playing in a, in, a, in a domed stadium or an indoor stadium. You know, a little bit difficult to have that grass. 
So maybe you get a trade-off with that sense. Arizona has a nice stadium. I know Minnesota got a new one. Uh, new Orleans, the Sugar Bowl, that's always a great site. Dallas, Miami. Yeah, there's. I, I don't think you would just do it in one spot. I, I think it could rotate every fourth or fifth year. It, it could go to the Rolls Bowl, but there's well, just I too many other good of, venues. That, that's fun. I mean, that's kind of fun to know that there's a different venue each year for this thing. And I, th- I feel like this topic was brought up. During the pandemic NCAA tournament, you remember when the men's tournament was hosted only in Indianapolis or around Indiana? I think they played some games at uh, Indiana University. They might have played some games at Purdue because they're about an hour away from the city. But it's Ty was there. I think Tommy was there. And they're like, well, this is a great location. I mean, everything is centrally located in downtown Indianapolis. They get this great stadium. You can do. Why not have it here every year? I think you got a million reasons why you wouldn't have it there every year. And it's because it's a, it is a national tournament. <laughs> a national tournament. You've been, you, if we're talking about tradition with this here, all right? So, first of all, just stop using the word tradition with college football, please. Especially when it comes to the bowls and national championships. The tradition was thrown out the door 30 years ago with college football. That has nothing to do with it. College basketball has always had the Final Four in a different location. Or at least to my understanding, that's what it's been like. The only the only two sports that I know of where the championship is held in the same space for Division One is softball and baseball. Now, Division Two, I mean, they have their national championship game every year in I think it's the where well they did it in the in in the high school outside McKinney, Texas this year. They've hosted it in Frisco before, so I guess it's around that certain area. But I mean that's that's a different thing. We're not talking about some huge grandiose event like a national championship game would be. Why don't you be in a more modern location? And look, Omaha would not be hosting the College World Series anymore, Matt, if they didn't build the new stadium. That opened in, uh, what was it, 2010 or 2011? Without that, Rosenblatt, as charming as it was and as great as it looked on television, was antiquated for that sort of event. You know, the Rose Bowl obviously can host its game. I mean, that looked beautiful the other night. But I just don't think college football needs to be a sport that has a centralized location annually for the national championship game. The thing that, that's happened in the Super Bowl, I, I believe uh, the Rams won their Super Bowl in L.A. Uh, did Tampa win their Super Bowl in Tampa? I, I, I'm trying to – it was like two out of like four years these teams won their Super Bowls in their home field. That's the only thing I don't want to see uh, if it's on a rotation and USC made it and that's their home game. You know, like you don't – I don't think that then – you know, if, or if Georgia made it and you're playing in, in, in Atlanta. You know, that's just – to me, you, you, you need a true neutral site. Well, it, it, this one is a neutral site in, in Houston, for certain, for certain. I, I mean, I love the idea of the, of, um, of, of the Rose Bowl still being in, in the rotation of what they are. And that means maybe they'll eventually host a national championship. But I don't, I don't know if I necessarily view that stadium as, as grandiose as it is, as, as being the place where the biggest college football game of the year is played is played annually. Eight seven seven three seven seven sixty nine sixty three. If you have any thoughts about that, Mike in Bentonville says take the weather element out of it, keep them out of the Rose Bowl. Sure. Well, the weather is a huge part part of why you would play uh, a game in a venue like that. But that's also why you have these domed stadiums all across the country. I mean, the national championship game and the Super Bowl 
are sort of, uh, well, I guess Super Bowl one and then National Championship Game 2 for the biggest events in football for the entire year. And uh, I, think, I think we have enough big, nice stadiums with all the proper amenities and, and also look good on TV, maybe not as good as it does on the Rose Bowl, uh, but it'll, it'll look just fine. And these, these stadiums will, um, will probably be a little bit better for the fans. Uh, as, as much fun as you have going to the Rose Bowl, there's something about the seating arrangement. I mean, back then when they built that thing, Matt, nobody was building two-deck stadiums any longer. How far away are you when you are when you are in the 120th row at the Rose Bowl? How far away are you, and can you actually see what's happening on the field? You know, <laughs> the experience at that point is all right. I can see the San Gabriel Mountains and the sunset, and it's beautiful. Um, but aren't we there to watch a football game? I feel like that's I feel like that's what the stadium is there for. I did like the Rose Bowl when I was there. I mean, it's I love I love museums. It's it kind of it's kind of what it felt like to me. It was a, a large outdoor football museum um, that I think could stand to have a little bit of renovation thrown at it. Um, the greatest. And if they were ever going to do that kind of thing where you're going to host the national title game at the Rose Bowl annually, well, then there's going to be a huge construction project at that stadium first. That would happen before they host the title game there annually. Isn't one of the best games, maybe the best game uh, in, in all of college football, at least since the year 2000, was that Michigan-Texas Rose, I mean the USC-Texas Rose Bowl in, in, in 06 when Vince Young and, and they won the national title uh, against that li- Matt Leiner, Reggie Bush, Lindell White team. Uh, that was, I mean, that was a heck of a game. There's that one, or maybe the um, the Georgia Alabama national title game, the where, where the, the the legend of Tua was born. So either one of those two, it's got to be overtime, right, or at least something close to it. Um, but uh, you know, that just I, I I just I just I love the Rose Bowl. I loved what I watched on television the other day. I love the 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 uh, the the bird's eye view where you can see like the break in the stands and how. There's red all the way over here, and there's blue all the way over here. Uh, but I don't really think all that stuff has much to do with the idea that this has to be where the national championships played annually. They've, we have great stadiums across the country. Vegas, brand new. Dallas, not brand new, but still feels it. Houston, kind of the same. Uh, new Orleans, Atlanta, Miami, Indy. Uh, Detroit. I mean, Ford Field is a great place to watch a football game. It's not a grandiose facility. It's not anything that's going to stand out on television. But that's a fabulous place to watch a football game. I guess I'd be surprised if you host a national title game in Detroit in January, but that is one of those kind of stadiums. Nashville. Nashville, can you imagine a national championship game in Nashville, Tennessee? Tennessee Titans. Would be a whole. That would be a ton of fun in a place like that. Absolutely perfect. It gets cold around then, but yeah, you'd have to get get a get maybe get a little lucky with the weather. Yeah, are you anyway. a believer in that, Phil? Because there's there's there is a train of thought out there that that people want uh, a championship game in a controlled environment as much as you can, whether it be a dome or they don't want it to be out in the elements where all the other games can be out. And I'm fine with it. I, I'd say have a game in Minnesota, have a game in. In Michigan, ha- have a game in, in three. In, it's not Three River Stadium anymore, but Heinz Field. 
you know, at Pittsburgh, uh, I think I think that would be cool as well. But a lot of people, that's why Miami and New Orleans get a lot of the Super Bowls. I mean, wasn't there, there was one Super Bowl played at the Giant Stadium, I think after the new MetLife Stadium was built. I forget the teams that played there. Uh, but yeah, that felt that felt a little weird. I mean, I understand the idea. Football is a sport that's supposed to be played in whatever elements that are possible, and you can't control the weather unless you build a dome stadium. Part of it is also it's like you're like, well, it's for the fans too. I remember what was the Super Bowl played in Dallas? Uh, the first time they played one at the uh, Cowboy Stadium, and it snowed and it was iced. like an ice out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people had trouble even walking from their cars inside the stadium. That was a, that was a different. That was certainly a different feel. Uh, yeah, JT and Hot Springs, aren't they building a dome in Nashville? Absolutely. That's that, That's what I said. I mean, that's why they're building the dome, so that they can host a Super Bowl, so that they can host the national championship game. You know, I mean, the uh, Nissan Stadium, the, where the Titans play right now, I think it's, what, 25, 30 years old? So it's at that point where you, you'd start thinking about replacing a stadium. And if you're a city like Nashville, which is... I mean, it's as, it's as tourist of a city as I think you see now uh, and, and growing, growing daily and annually like hardly many other cities in the country. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's a way that you kind of put yourself on the map sports-wise. Vegas gets the Super Bowl this year. I mean, that's just even a crazy thought to think about. And eventually, Vegas will have the national championship game. They just will. The Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa in downtown Hot Springs, Arkansas, is the perfect destination for your next getaway. Join them for a romantic Valentine's Day getaway with a special dinner or romance package. Or if you're coming to town for live racing, they've got room for you every weekend, including Martin Luther King Day weekend and President's Day weekend. Experience all the luxury and hospitality of a Grand Southern Hotel. The accommodations are sure to please everyone. Visit ArlingtonHotel.com for more details. That's ArlingtonHotel.com. Are you in need of an attorney? Hickey and Hull Law Partners is your firm. Hickey and Hull understand the importance of client communication, meeting with you, responding to emails, and returning calls. Hickey and Hull are attorneys you can trust to guide you through a divorce or a custody case, criminal charges, or even civil lawsuit. Ready to put their seven decades of experience to work for you and get the best results. Every case is important. Hickey and Hull Law Partners strive to give each client the time and attention it deserves. Visit them at KevinHickeyLaw.com. Hickey and Hull Law Partners. Things are about to get better. And now, back to the podcast. Jeez, my daughter and her friends, they got a parental carpool for school. The, uh, the girls are trying to get picked up early from school because it's snowing. I mean, really here, um, this is in the Little Rock School District. They're getting big flakes down there, but it's not sticking to the ground. It's like, come on now. I guess, uh, I guess if you, um, if you, you can find a, you can find an excuse to get out of school early, uh, if you, if you really need to find one and they apparently have found one, but it's going to be a hard lesson to learn. Uh, just because it's snowing doesn't mean you get picked up out of school early when you're there today. Yeah, snow days. I, I guess it's different from where you grew up, uh, Phil. Christian, did you have snow days? We would get we would get like yeah. one snow day a year, and, and it was kind of sometimes it would be real, and sometimes it would kind of be the threat of it, and then they would kind of. But usually you'd get one, but it was uh, yeah, it was, and they were always over so quick. I went to Hamburg High School, and you know a lot of people come from these country roads and stuff and the buses can't get down there so that was the main reason why they they would close but yeah we got we got them sometimes and it was always it was always fun because yeah, didn't have to go to I school 
I remember what were years? It might have been like 2011, 2012. There was a storm that came through central Arkansas, and you, there was no school for a week. And it was pretty much just because of the back roads. You know, mm-hmm. all the road outside my front door was clear, but there's so many other roads that weren't. Um, did you? Did, I remember just like I always had. I was a geek with this kind of stuff, so I listened to the AM radio morning show as a kid. Uh, news, talk, sports, all that kind of stuff. And even it was an AM station that every once in a while would play music. He they actually they actually played um, "Never Gonna Give You Up" in the morning. You remember that Rick Astley song? Mm-hmm. I'm dating myself here. This is like '86 or '87. Anyway, that's where you would that's where you would, that's how you would find out what schools were canceled or what schools were being delayed. And man, it was the absolute worst when school was delayed. Instead of canceled, like you'd have this two-hour delay, and at that point, it's like let's just go to school for crying out loud. Now, what are we doing this delay thing for? Now we just got to sit around waiting, sit around waiting, and then I still have to go there, and I'm all in a hurry and everything. I was a uh, I was a senior or junior in high school, and they they had the Coca-Cola uh, championship where it was as a tournament for basketball in, in December, and it was before conference play. And it would be picked out some of the best teams in, in the state. Maybe a team from Missouri, a team from from you know Parkview might come up. It was a big time tournament uh, up there. Mm-hmm. And it got canceled out. It snowed, you know, and the whole tournament got canceled. And that was like a, what a bummer. I know. I, when you're 17 years old, and that's all you wanted to go do is go play basketball. Well, and those those are games that are never supposed to be canceled, right? Like I had baseball games to make as it a up. kid that were canceled, but you expected that was going to was going to rain all day. We're not going to play, and you didn't get a chance to make those things up. That's right. You know, but when I think of, when I think of, now I've never been snow skiing. Have you ever snow skied, Matt, Christian? Yes, I have. No, sir. Breckenridge, Colorado. I used to, as a kid, I was fearless and I could go down Black Diamonds, but I went when I was a little bit older and man, I was, I was not fearless and I was not as good. Listen to the C unit here doing Black Diamonds. I mean, I've never even I've never even done the pink diamond, which I don't even think that's a thing, but it should be for beginners. Um, yeah, I've never put on. I've never even worn snow skis. Not I, one time. I water skied, not even once. Neither. Not even once. But when I think of outdoor sports and snow, there's really only one direction to go here, and it's football. That's it. Outside of I thought, sledding, I thought you were going to say Peekaboo Street. Well, yeah, I mean, you could go in that direction, too, if you wanted to. Or Lindsey Vaughn, mm. either one of those two, yeah, right? Yeah, studs, mm-hmm. yeah. No, those that, are the I was going to, so we were, we would, uh, on Sunday, if it snowed that week, and then Sunday you go to church, and the, the youth group, the, the guys, and there was there was an other football field, we'd go have a big snow football game. You know, we had one oh, of those one time. Like so much fun. You know, it doesn't work, like you said, sometimes the snow doesn't last or whatever, but then that, that time it did, we went out there, and you know, you play football for like an hour and a half, it's, yeah, those are the days. Did you wear your football shoes? Did you wear cleats? I think when you I had boots on. I think I just okay. had my my winter boots because you had your uh, like I had my hunting stuff on. You know, you put all your 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 deer hunting stuff on to go out there and um, yeah yeah. And then you'd go in and 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 you'd put, throw it all, throw it all in the muck room and and then about three hours later you're wanting to go back and do it again. I love to I love to think of the differences between the folks you, the people that you grew up around and the ones that I grew up around. Nobody, nobody had the hunting gear or or the the camouflage coats or anything like that in my in my neighborhood in Pittsburgh. But and, and none of them even had football shoes. Yeah, there was only one of, well, there was only one of my friends that played high school football. We all played baseball, so we would strap on our baseball cleats to go out on the 
on the field that our that our high school teams shared, the football team and the baseball team shared the same crappy field, and we would go out there and we would, you know, try to throw the pigskin around like a like a bunch of small baseball dudes that really had no business trying to even like act like we were playing football. And the the, the color that stands out for me uh, on a day like this, if we're playing football, Matt was red. It was not the color of the snow. It was the color of the blood on the snow from all the bloody noses. Oh, because it's tackle and snow. Yeah, if it's snow on the ground, it's tackle. It's no two-hand touch. We're going all the way. I tried to get out with a friend of mine when I uh, was a student, a college student, and he played for the rugby, the the club rugby team at Indiana. Now, I mean... I'm on his team, yeah. (laughs) Did you ever try to play rugby, No, but I've seen it. I've seen him do it. Those are different. Those are different cats, man. That they all—they yes, are. They have the cauliflower ear and all that stuff. They don't care. And they—they they don't. They'll go up. They'll going up high at you too. I mean, I don't know if that's necessarily the way you do it um, when there are rugby officials watching. But we didn't have any rugby officials watching us. And that's pretty much where all the red came from. I brought. I I, wa- I went out there thinking I was going to have fun, try to be tough. Even brought my terrible towel with me out there, and the terrible towel ended up, you know, pretty much a, a combination of yellow, black, and red droplets all over the place. Sounds like from a my good nose because yeah. I have a little issue with that sometimes. Yeah, it was it was fun though. Um, tomorrow at Bud Walton Arena, Auburn comes in. I feel like Auburn is somewhere on the scale of programs that you just don't like because of their stupid face in the SEC. You know what I mean? Like, there's just Kentucky's got to be the top of the list for for hatred around Arkansas and really around the rest of the conference. But outside of that, I don't I don't know I don't know of, of like other programs that just bug you because they are who they are. I think Auburn might be one of those programs, Matt. You know, I mean, because they've only just now gotten good at basketball since Bruce Pearl's been the coach, and Pearl is one of those. Uh, kind of lightning rod figures, and you know their fans have really jumped on top of basketball and everything. So I mean, I would go. I'd go if I was going to do my level of SEC basketball program hatred. Kentucky would be first, and I think then Auburn probably is Auburn a distant second. Auburn could be up there. We're just talking basketball only. Um, yeah, I, I know what you mean with Bruce Pearl. He looks like he's the guy that uh, you know has his shirt shirt on, but it's not buttoned at all, and he's he's he has the the captain's hat on. Says I'm the captain of the ship, you know, and you got to go on his boat, and you're just like well, I gotta yeah. say this. Like I I could picture Bruce Pearl wearing a 1970s leisure suit with all that chest hair just fluffing out from the top, you know, like, to really uh, show it off. Like Chris Penn in uh, Reservoir Dogs, which Christian's going to get That's to right. see. He's going to get to see that one of these days. But yep. that that suit right there, I, I got exactly what you're saying. Yep. But it's also some of the idea of, uh, of the atmosphere that has been built at Auburn and how folks are trying to compare it as as some of the best in the entire country and look at here's a reason why you get 9000 people in that arena i have trouble even calling it an arena i think if you're going to be an arena you need to have over 10000 capacity and maybe they do but it's going to be really close to that and i mean it is a great atmosphere because it's a tiny little place i understand auburn is a tiny little place too so why would you build a giant basketball arena or in this place, gym, or maybe a cage, if you want to put it in those terms. But it's not the same as Bud Walton. You can fill 
Neville Arena a heck of a lot easier than you can fill Bud Walton. Um, and, like, I always think of the Auburn game when they came in as number one, and the place was totally packed. They did the whiteout for that game and and uh, and walked off with a, a huge win and, and rushed the floor and everything. You're not going to have that same kind of atmosphere tomorrow for the SEC opener, but I feel like with the way that the teams come on in the last, it's I guess it's really been the last three halves, Matt. There's still a lot of people that are skeptical whether or not um, this team can uh, live up to the expectations <clears throat> or even come close to what's happened the last two years. But you also feel fans know that the thing about Bud Walton Arena that makes them special, or that makes this, the arena special, is when you fill it up. When you get a big crowd in there, and I'm talking... You know, you know, nineteen thousand two hundred for a sellout. If you get fifteen thousand, sixteen thousand in there, you've got a pretty special crowd for college basketball that can make a ton of noise. Really, would hope to see that kind of thing tomorrow, um, because I mean, I think it's a team Matt that's going to play well at home. But it's got to be a little different when you you get inside the arena, you look up, and you realize eh, this place might only be a little more than half full. Because Bud Walton Arena with 19,000, that's a heck of a lot louder than Bud Walton Arena with 10,000. I really hope they, they keep Bud Walton uh, the, the same layout. I, I know they need to make some renovations, but uh, I hope they don't make it too corporate because you talk about one of the best home field, home court advantages in all of college basketball that's up there on the hill with Bud Walton. Dylan and Russellville brought us an interesting stat. I love this. He called it a fun stat. If you call it a fun fact, usually the facts are not fun. This is a cool stat. He has figured out the records for Auburn's opponents and Arkansas's opponents this year. And there's really hardly a difference. Auburn opponents, 179. Arkansas opponents, 178. There is a new Razorback commit, Matt, out of the transfer portal. Are we having fun saying transfer portal now and not having to worry about getting taxed if we throw those two words in there? Absolutely. Um, yeah, hopefully. Uh, is, he, is he the kid from A&M? Is that who we're talking about still? We got we got a new one. Nope. Nope. This is a defensive back, a cornerback. Uh, Marquise Robinson transferring away from South Alabama. He's the 10th commit for the transfer portal. Six foot two, 195 pounds. He played two years in junior college and a couple of years at Alabama, so he's got one year of eligibility left, it appears. And um, numbers this year, 36 tackles, 21 solo, 2.5 for a loss, 3 interceptions, 3 pass breakups. He got a lot of offers, and he visited Arkansas, and then he goes uh, with a commitment two days later. Made the announcement this morning. He visited Arkansas Wednesday. Well, you got to thank uh, Phil, uh, a guy coming in in his last year to, to play that he's uh, he's looking for some playing time. And uh, we, we need some help on the defensive side. We've lost a couple players, a couple D-backs, a couple linebackers. So there's, there's, be, there's playing time to be earned. And so uh, I, I like it, getting a veteran, a veteran kid coming in. So hopefully he'll do well. I think you're looking potentially here for your cornerbacks for right now, and I might be I might be missing on some of them here. Uh, Jaheim Singletary, Jalen Braxton. I think there's a lot to work with with Jalen Braxton. Snacks Johnson, although we know Snacks can play a couple of other positions. Danico Slaughter from Tennessee, uh, Hudson Clark. We haven't heard any announcement from Clark, but I'd I'd be surprised if he does not uh, come back for a fifth year. Um, Keon Stewart. 
and uh, and now Marquise Robinson. So may, maybe looking for another safety in there, but then and, and then there's still. I mean, you got to be you, you got to be looking at linebackers. I know they brought in a couple of offensive linemen that they're interested in, um, but right now that linebacker room that that that's the one position more than anything on both sides of the ball that uh, that does that does make me nervous. A ton of inexperience. At that position, a ton. Even the big get, and maybe the biggest get out of the transfer portal so far, Matt, has been Xavier Sori, five-star, Georgia, but he doesn't have that much experience either. So linebacker is a right now a position of um, concern for me. Yeah, I hope both those kids from Tennessee are good gets. I, I think that uh, you, you look at the success Tennessee's had over the last couple of years. Uh, so they, they've been winning a lot of games, a lot more than Arkansas. So let's let's bring those winning ways get that positive uh, energy going. Hopefully, there'll they'll be some good gets as well. Well, John in Fayetteville also texted in one of the concerns for Arkansas fans about Quincy McAdoo. He's hoping Quincy can come back and play. I saw Quincy uh, posted on social media a couple of days ago from a workout <clears throat> where uh, he was sitting uh, but was sweating, and it obviously worked out pretty hard. You know, that that's definitely one thing that I haven't heard anything about, whether or not he is hoping to play next year or expected to play next year but he's obviously working out so hopefully Quincy is uh, is is recovering well obviously it looks like he is uh, but as 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 it pertains to his availability for next year, uh, right now, I don't know if anybody has really that much of an idea. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get Get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Hey, sports fans, don't let plumbing issues throw you off your game. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric is here to tackle those pesky drain blockages and ensure your water heater is always in MVP form. With Pascal's world-class service, you can count on a winning play every time. Whether it's a quick drain clear or a water heater touchdown, Pascal's got the expertise to keep your home running smoothly. Stay in the game and leave the plumbing to the pros. Schedule your service online anytime at gopascal.com. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. We'll talk here with Brett Dolan, Razorback Athletics, Touchdown Radio, many other things to get through here. Brett, good afternoon to you. Where are we? Uh, where are we talking to you from today? Where are you? Where well, are you, I finally made doing? it back to Arkansas in time for two okay. inches of snow. So I got back okay. last night, and then I wake up and I think maybe I need to go on a vacation or something. I, maybe, oh man, maybe I need come to go on. back on the road. No, you're from <laughs> Iowa. This is nothing for you. This is this is just. I was in day Iowa. Wasn't snowing there. It's snowing here. I don't like it. You got to watch Caitlin Clark in action. Hit that buzzer beater. Was it against Michigan State? That looked like uh, Iowa was selling out for all the women's games. Um, that must have been a lot of fun. Oh, I, I really think so. Uh, it might have been one of the more entertaining games I've ever been to, and, and I feel like I've been to a lot and seen a lot in you know these fifty some years. But uh, that was one of my highlights, and I took my kid. It was the first time he got to go back and, and see a game in Iowa City a Hawkeye game and, uh, you know, 15,500 people. She scores 40 of them. It was probably an off night. It's a game winning wow. three from the logo. I mean, it's just amazing that one person can have this impact as far as attendance and, 
and fan support. I don't know if I could have seen any more young women between the ages of like five and, and 16 that were wearing Caitlin Clark jerseys. There were people that were flying in from Arizona because they thought they could get tickets because the students were gone, people driving in from Chicago. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. Is she the wow. best guard since like Sue Bird? Uh, kind of like, uh, I mean, just all the hype and everybody. Like, she's the real deal, huh? Yeah, I mean, she's going to set the all-time scoring record as long as she stays healthy, and she'll top Kelsey Plum, who Mike Neighbors coached way back in in uh, Washington. But I would say the one thing she does, Matt, is she has these iconic moments, and maybe it's the world we live in with with social media and ESPN and whatnot, but you start hitting game-winning threes and taking your team to a national championship, you're just not running a point. You're having big moments, too, that we all kind of are able to watch. Do you see Jokic's game-winning three last night from Dude, half court? The, the Joker. He's he's just on a different planet right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean that thing almost hit the scoreboard. It had to as high as he launched that thing and banked it in. But uh, that was a fun finish too. We didn't have a really fun game last night in Lexington, uh, Brett. You you know you call you call the women's games for preseason, and you you'll still call a lot of the conference games on SEC Plus. Um, you know, you you know when you're starting to go against SEC teams, they've got film on you. They're going to defend you maybe better than anybody else does, and that's what happened yesterday. Uh, Kentucky's not a great offensive team. They defended really well, and I saw I saw the frustration. I think build uh, minute by minute, and I think that also kind of wore the, the the Razorback women's team down a little in that fourth quarter last night. Sure did, and I just reviewed the game this morning in my office trying to watch it back, and it, it's a tough watch. Uh, there, there's no doubt about that, and we're going to have the game on television when Kentucky comes back in. It's just in a couple of weeks, so we'll see if it, it looks a little bit better, but uh, you know, they just got to make more shots. You have to score more, and I, I know they don't have a ton of players as far as a depth standpoint and whatnot with losing a couple of players earlier this season, but uh, you know, uh, you're right, though, Phil. I mean, you start to get film and, and game plans on players. Talia Scott's going to see a lot of players thrown at her. They're going to wrestle her. They're going to be physical. They're going to try and get her out of her game and frustrate her. And, uh, and and that's not good for the overall product. You feel like you need to score 70 points to win games. In the 60s, just didn't going to cut it most nights. Brett, how, how do you feel about the last two games in this playoff scenario that we have? Because we know the college football is changing next year. Uh, did, did Alabama let it slip away? Was it as simple as bad as having like seven unforced errors like in tennis when you double fault? I mean, having the, that many bad snaps in one game, week 14, uh, that's, that's just too many negative plays to have in a championship game. Way too many. But it felt like I saw the same thing from the Iron Bowl. I, I guess between 12 and 15 bad snaps. And sometimes a bad snap doesn't always have to be on the ground or at your head. It can be a foot to your right or left, which throws off the timing a little bit or keeps Milrow from being able to look downfield, do his own read, whatever it is. Way too many mistakes. But I'll say that with as far as uh, Michigan was concerned and even Washington, these teams have to figure out how to field a freaking punt and stop muffing punts and screwing up special teams plays. All of these teams are too good to be making this many mistakes late in the year. Unforced snaps is a big part of that. And just fumbling punts and making stupid special teams plays also factored in. Luckily, it it didn't diminish the overall uh, atmosphere as far as just tight games going down to the very wire. But I would suggest both teams would want to clean that up 
on Monday night if, if they want to win a championship. That, that is a good point. Both there was there was muff punts in both those games, and I wonder when you have that big layoff, you kind of get your creature a habit. I wonder how much they've worked on it. You know, I wonder if they kind of maybe you don't work on special teams as much. Uh, but for sure, you got to clean that up in the championship game. What do you? Do you I, I think it's Michigan's front seven versus that offensive line at Washington. I know that's cliche to say, but th- that's that's what I look for for that matchup. And then all, all, on the other end, Michigan's going to run the ball. They're a run team first, and can can Washington stop that run, or, or is Michigan going to have a lot of second and threes? I think Michigan's going to run the football with some success, but I agree with you 1,000% when it comes down to Michigan's defensive line against Washington's offensive line. And by Washington's the team, I feel like the more I see them, the more I like them. And, and we've heard about the Joe Moore Award probably a 100 times in the last couple of weeks, and for good reason. They keep Penix clean for the most part. Um, and this Michigan defensive line is going to be the best that they have faced all year, and this is where they earn their money. So I really do think if they can put any pressure whatsoever on uh, on Michael Penix that it's going to be their game to win because they're going to frustrate him a little bit. Obviously, Washington has great wide receivers. I'm curious with their running back how healthy he's going to be. They say he's going to play. That, that didn't look good at the very end of the game after they completely botched and mismanaged the last minute and a half of that game and still survived. Obviously, you don't want an injury, and that, that played into that role, but, but they had enough mistakes themselves. But I, I think you're right, man. I think it's going to come down to can Washington keep Penix clean and can Michigan run for four-plus yards a carry and kind of control the tempo and keep him off the field. Michigan's got to win this, <clears throat> and I think I think it's because things are really going to be changing within that program once this game concludes. I think this is Harbaugh's you last think the game pressure, with Michigan. Feel the pressures on on Michigan and Harbaugh more than it is Washington. I do. I, I see Washington as more of a program on the rise. Uh, you know, they're the ones that are joining the Big Ten. They're not going to lose their head coach. DeBoer, I think they re-signed him. Um, I think Harbaugh's gone. You know, they're going to lose, <laughs> it feels like, half their starters to the NFL draft. Um, and and with all of the, you know, controversy swirling around Michigan, it's like, you know, they might call themselves America's team, but they're doing that jokingly. <laughs> a lot of the country's rooting against them. I mean, it's like, I feel like the pressure's on Michigan. Not necessarily that I have much to do with the outcome of the game, but if you're going to look at what team needs to win this, like, I feel like it's Michigan that needs to win this because their program is going to change a lot in the upcoming offseason. Bill, I agree with everything you just said, except I don't think there's pressure on Michigan. I feel like they need to win. I feel like their program's going to change. They might have close to 20 players drafted. I agree. I think Harbaugh's gone, maybe to the Bears or or to the Chargers. But the one thing they have done this year, and it's why I keep picking Michigan to win games, even though everything else tells me not to do so is because they have this ability to channel this us against the world mentality. And and I take it back to this Astros thing that I kind of lived through on the periphery with the sign stealing, because we all looked at the sign stealing with the Astros and we thought, well, this is the end and and this can't sustain itself. They're going to get penalized. They're going to, and whatever it is, those guys inside that locker room used it as motivation. Like they felt like they were the victim. Let's go out and show them that we're going to still keep winning. And it was bizarre to everybody else who wasn't in that Astros locker room. And I keep watching this Michigan team, and obviously there's more fire than smoke when it comes to these sign-stealing allegations. And there'll, there'll be more punishment coming, I believe. But somehow they turn this into, well, we're being picked on, and, and let's show them that we're a better team. 
And whatever Harbaugh, through his wacko characteristics that he certainly employs, he's a different bird. He gets this team to believe and, and, and roll in the same direction. And not everybody can do that in this day and age right now of, of where can I get my money and when can I go to the NFL. They seem to be playing for each other, and that's why I'll keep picking Michigan again on, on Monday night because whatever it is, they figured out how to kind of keep everything internally and, 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 and kind of take on the world. It's us against everybody else. Brett, there's some uh, some running backs getting into this transfer portal. The kid from Ole Miss, uh, Phil, is the the is that La, Laquandon Jackson from Utah? I, I believe he got in the in the portal as well. But hmm. I was kind of surprised uh, with the running back from Ole Miss. Uh, clearly, is it just about money? And and where do you think he ends up? You know, it's funny that that surprised me too, Matt, with Quinshawn Junkins because Ole Miss has just killed it in the portal. And I've had people tell me sort of off the record, Lane feels like this next year is his year because the 12-team playoff, SEC is going to get more than one or two teams. He feels like he has the best opportunity to be a part of that outside the Georgias and the Alabamas. But losing your running back is is unique. Now, there was a long conversation yesterday as I'm driving for nine hours about the value of a college running back. What is it today in as far as you know, NIL, is it a million dollars? Is it three-quarters of a million? Is it more? Do we still value running backs at, at the college level? But I wonder if there's a little bit of part of this, this Judkins story as far as usage because they took a lot of tread off his tires. It wasn't, let's get him 20 carries like Blake Corum. Let's get him 30 carries. And, and I don't know if that's the best long-term philosophy when it comes to getting into the NFL with some shelf life. So I don't know if there were some frustrations. I think mom kind of has a lot to say about uh, what, what she wants from her son. And uh, it wouldn't stun me if he doesn't go back to Alabama, too, guys. That's where he's from. And he was overlooked the first time. But um, we'll, we'll find out. But that, that, to me, was a little bit unique because uh, I thought that uh, he'd, he'd ride that out. What if he goes to Michigan, though? How about a running back going to a running-oriented offense like Michigan, it would seem strange for a kid to uh, to go up north when he's from the south. But I had someone throw that at me the other day too, and I thought, hmm, that would be something. Matt, what about the idea that that Judkins just decides to sit out this year so that he doesn't get any mileage on the on the body and goes into the draft? I mean, that's an idea that you've even thrown out there before. Maybe allowing running backs to you know go into the draft a year earlier than others, just because I mean they don't want to take all those hits. Yeah, and to Brett's point, I think it would be how, how big is that bag? Is it a million? Is it one point five? Is it half a mil mm-hmm. to to see where he goes? But yeah, I think if you the, that is the one position that I, I see in college football, and you know Adrian Peterson, Darren McFadden. The the list kind of goes on. Um, that you can play. You don't have to actually be three years removed from high school to be able to play at, at that level. And I, I think some of these running backs could end up making more money than they're going to make. Because what what do you you get drafted in the third round? That's probably about seven hundred thousand a year in the NFL. You know, besides your bonus or whatever. So I think they can make that in college football. They can, but I like your idea. I mean, I think that's the one position where you almost feel bad for these guys when they're three or four years into the NFL career and, and their value is like a used car. It's diminished. Uh, like it's You've driven it off the, the car lot, and it's no longer worth anything like it was just a couple of years ago. So I, I think that's an interesting one. I, I think as far as Jukins, that's the new decision, right? I mean, if you can't go to the NFL and, and you can cash in NIL, but I think he wants to cash in, and then where can he get 100 yards on 20 carries without getting 110 yards on 30 carries? 
and that might be overthinking it a bit. And maybe it's just simply as far as where can I get the biggest check and make the most money. But you're leaving a program that could be a top 10 team and that you've been in for two years. You have a chance to take them to the playoffs. Does that not matter anymore? And uh, as I say, even say it, it sounds funny because it doesn't. It's, it's about where can I make the most money and position myself for the NFL and, and, and away we go on the crazy world of college football. You thought on baseball, Brett. I'm going to get into the baseball team in the next segment. 42 days away from Arkansas baseball. Give me something outside the starting pitching rotation that you uh, that you're excited about for this next year. Hmm. Well, I really well. I want to see the new short stuff, Phil. I don't know about you, but I, I hear nothing mm-hmm. but great things um, as far as both defense and offense and power. And this was a kid that came from the West Coast to be part of the SEC and part of Arkansas. And, you know, not a lot of people outside the baseball diehards know a lot about him, but I think we will once we get to May after a season in the SEC. And, and, uh, and I hope he lives up to the building because I haven't heard one person tell me, well, I'm not sure. For the most part, they say you're going to love watching him play. Hi, everybody. This is Chris George from Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Christmas gifts, weddings, heirloom family treasures. And at Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we only have one sale every year, and it's right now. Every single item in our store is value priced for Christmas. We do custom one-of-a-kind jewelry. If that's what you're looking for, come see us. You can get anything fixed for a Christmas gift. Selection, quality, service, and Christmas red tag prices now through Christmas at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Dave and his team have all your holiday drink options. That includes Fireball and Bailey's Chocolate, Jack Daniel's Crown Salted Caramel, Winter Seasonal Beers, Eggnogs, and more. Come by Eastside Liquor, 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith. Now back to the podcast. Had a chance to uh, meet one of our listeners last night, Matt, in uh, at Rupp Arena. Uh, imagine that. Uh, and he's actually given us a call right here on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Jason in Frankfurt has been a loyal listener to halftime. Heck, I think he's been listening since we started it uh, back in uh, September of 2018. And he came down to say hello at the uh, broadcast area before the game yesterday. And then he went up and he watched Arkansas fall to Kentucky. And now Jason's on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Hey, Jason, great to meet you yesterday. How are you doing? Uh, it was Yeah, I'm doing well. It's great to meet you. I, have, I don't go back far as... 2018. I think I came on just like in maybe February of 2020. So that's okay. when I uh, first first started calling in and listening regularly. So uh, yeah, uh, it was a pleasure to meet you. Um, the outcome of the game was not what I hoped, but I've, I've seen enough games in that rep arena to, to expect a little bit of um, disappointment when it comes to the team. So, but all in all, met some parents, had a, made some friends, you know. All in all, had a pretty good time. So. Do you have Razorback fans sitting around you, or do you have to make friends with uh, with the Kentucky fans instead? No, no, it was always I was behind the bench, uh, not far off the bench, I should say. I I could see Miss Neighbors; uh, she was a few rows ahead of me. Uh, so yeah, uh, made 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 some friends. Just being a friendly guy, uh, it, it was good. Like like I said, it was good. That first half was rough to watch. Um, the uh, I I've shot the basketball a few times there in Rep Arena and the sight lines are a little different and I think maybe it has to do with just the size of the building um, but um, you know just poor three point shooting I think ultimately did this team in part of it was Kentucky's defense part of it was them but they 
Arkansas looked to be wanting to get some action at the elbows, and it was a, it was well defended by Kentucky. I'll, I'll give them that. They, they they tended to take that away. So, but yeah, missed some open threes, uh, just not enough at the end. So, but it was right. actually, right. like I said, it was actually good to good to meet you. Yeah. Yeah, I love being able to put. Well, Jason's called in just a few times. He's a he's a loyal texter almost daily. So I was gonna I was gonna say you don't look how you, how you text, but then again I don't know if anybody does. Uh, but it was great to meet Jason yesterday at uh, at Rupp Arena. Uh, we'll be up there for baseball in May. Will we make it over for baseball? Uh, yes, yes. I, I'm, I'm I, I will definitely be there. I've been there. I've been there and I've seen you before. This was the first time I was just bold enough to come up and say hi. So, uh, like, like I said, I, I I've seen you passing. I thought, well, Rupp Arena was pretty well empty at that point. I thought, may as well just come see, say hi, and uh, introduce myself. So, like I said, you're you're really kind. Uh, I hope I didn't come off as being too unfriendly, but I, I didn't want to. You, you were doing your job, and I didn't want to take you away from that. So, it's uh, like I said, it was good to meet you. I had a good time. Met some pa- parents of, of the players. Uh, there were some there last night, and uh, had a good time. Shared some laughs. Ate some ice cream. It was all good. <laughs> yeah, they tell me they tell me the ice cream at Rupp Arena is real is really really good. I've no, I did not get that ice cream though, but I saw there were a few of the men's uh, the the players for the men's team for Kentucky that were at the game last night, and uh, most of them had the ice cream too. So it, it must it must legitimately be a thing. Jason, great to hear from you, man, and it was really good meeting you yesterday. Yeah, he came over came over, Matt, and I'm I'm writing out what I want to talk about in the pre in the first segment of pregame. And I guess it was what ten minutes before we went on the air, and and all Jason wanted to do was say hi and then walk away. Like it's like you said, he's like, I don't want to bother you while you're doing your work. And I could see it in his face. Like, hold on a moment, man. We've like been texting with each other for four years, and now we're finally meeting. You don't just run away and just saying hello. Let's let's actually visit for like five minutes. It's okay. It's okay. You can actually you can say hello. You can say hello, and we can't have a conversation if we come across each other at any of the any of the sports venues. I don't mind that at all. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And thanks, thanks for listening, Jason. Is, is so he's a Kentucky listener. He he listens all the way from Kentucky. He lives he, he lives in Frankfort, Kentucky. Yeah. That's right. <clears throat> Said it was what about thirty minutes away from uh, from Lexington. So I think he goes over there anytime. Arkansas plays at, at UK for anything. Of course, they don't play football there too often. Play baseball there, I guess, one every four years and. Uh, it's two years in a row the women's team has been in Lex, and now, well, it feels like Arkansas and Kentucky on the men's side probably, well, I don't know if it works out this way because uh, 18 games, 16 teams, will Arkansas and Kentucky end up being a, you know, a home-and-home home on an annual basis? <clears throat> I don't think that's the case. The women's team in Kentucky, they play Carolina every year twice. That's, that's uh, never good for anybody to have to play that team twice. Um, but yeah, I mean, Matt, the, the, the three point shooting yesterday was abysmal, abysmal, both sides, Kentucky won yesterday without hitting a three pointer. It's got to be pretty rare in today's age of college basketball. Didn't Arkansas win a game last year without hitting a three? Well, they, they, it was, they definitely snapped the streak under coach mm -hmm. Muss. It had started like in the, in the early nineties, I believe. Yeah, it was a really. But we long won streak. the game. You're right. We we didn't hit a three, but we won the game. So yeah, exactly. 
you know, what Kentucky did, what they were able to take away yesterday, they took away Arkansas's ball screen. They took away the pick and roll. Um, they did defend the three, but there were some open threes that, that were that were just missed. Hogs finished four for 27 from behind the three-point line. This is a team that averages almost nine and a half threes per game. So uh, four for 27 is never really going to cut it. But uh, the pick and roll was something that they took away. What I saw defensively from Kentucky last night, Matt, that I haven't seen a lot of teams be able to do against Arkansas, and this has to speak a little bit to the level of athleticism for Power 5 schools or whatever you want to call major league schools in college basketball and those who are not, is um, an athleticism with the ability <coughs> to to stay with the ball and slip through screens. There were two or three of those Kentucky defenders yesterday that just had that ability um, with the with the ability to move laterally and make themselves even a little bit smaller. And, and no matter how often Sailor Poffenbarger or Miriam Dowda came out to set those ball screens, they just really couldn't set them very well. And, and Dowda ended up committing a couple of fouls on, on illegal picks that were certainly big reasons why she fouled out with only 17 minutes played. Um, but, yeah, that, that, that definitely stood out. Uh, 14 points in the first half, though. That's, I just got to figure that's never something that's going to happen again. You shot inside Rupp. Do you remember thinking this is a tough building to shoot? I mean, it was a long time ago, so I don't know if it's something that's, you know, that, that stayed there, in, your, in your mind. So there, there, there's a reason you go to the gyms and have shoot-arounds a, a few hours before the before the game. Uh, you you want to get a look at, at where everything is. You, you want to see where your bench is. You want to see the scoreboard. You want to see the shot clock. Uh, you want to, you do the same thing in football. You know, the OC, you go walking around when you walking down there. They're not just walking around there for fun, which some of them are, but mm-hmm. quarterback coach is like, all right, you know, we, we went over our first 10 plays. We got the ball. We're going this way. Uh, where's the play clock? You know, you know where everything is. Get your surroundings. So, yeah, you, that's that's something you do. You go in there and shoot. And every gym, Phil, it's honest, it is. It's it's not like a baseball park with that hitter's eye that you always got the same thing that's consistent. It's it's always a little bit different. Uh, each, each gym is. It's interesting with the batter's eye because I talk with that. I talk with some of the some of the hitters and with and with uh, Nate Thompson and Coach Van Horn about this. Um, the batter's eye is is quite often the biggest reason, like the main reason for why a ballpark leans towards hitters or pitchers. Because it's not always the same color. It's not always uh, as dark as you'd like to have it. And sometimes uh, the the batter's eye isn't quite as tall as, as it is in some other parks. Like at Baum Walker, you get this 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 batter's eye from the actual fence of center field, but then there's that big kind of corrugated aluminum fence above it that's that is it feels like it's there just to be a great batter's eye. Otherwise, you don't really need that that huge fence out there in center field above the yellow stripe. It's one of the things that does make Baum Walker, I think, a hitter's park. Now, the wind is always going to be a reason why, too. You don't have to worry about that playing basketball unless you're on a aircraft carrier. So what were the teams that played on the aircraft carrier a few years ago? Michigan like, All right, State well, and Duke. There was Tom a game Izzo. that was canceled because oh. the the floor the floor of the of the deck was too slippery. Um, but then there's another. It's like, all right, well, you got to take wind into account here, don't you? <laughs> it's like pickup basketball outside at Venice Beach. 
which which by the way we're going to we're going to be seeing Venice Beach next year. I think we're going to be we're going to we're, uh, the women's team plays at UCLA next year. And um, if you're close enough, I feel like one of the one of the things that I need to see is uh, are the courts where uh, White Man Can't Jump was filmed. Mm. Venice Beach would be right yeah. there for us. Yeah, there you go, Woody Harrelson. Really would. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast at hitthatline.com. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.